Nine Lives, the debut album from Catalyst, grips with infinite possibility and reflects the contemporary Los Angeles jazz scene. Catalyst is more than a nine-piece band. It's a collective of producers, composers, musicians, and writers who represent a who's who of the Los Angeles jazz community. You can listen to the album on all of the major music platforms or purchase a copy through bandcamp.com. Catalyst with a K, and the album is Nine Lives. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Active Biosciences is seeking to transform the way neurodegenerative diseases are managed by providing new insights into the severity of a patient's condition, its progression, and using evidence-based insights to improve outcomes. The company, which recently raised $32 million, is completing development of its care management platform for neurodegenerative diseases. We spoke to Bill Hagstrom, CEO of Octave, about the company's efforts to harness novel measurements of disease to individualize care, the case it's making with payers, and why the company is starting with MS. Bill, thanks for joining us. Great to be with you today. We're going to talk about Octave Bioscience and its efforts to bring personalized and comprehensive care to patients with neurodegenerative conditions. Uh, You're starting with multiple sclerosis, so let's start there. For listeners not familiar with the condition, what is multiple sclerosis? Well, it's a a chronic, lifelong, debilitating disease. It it strikes about um, 100,000 new patients per year. There's about 950,000 patients um, in the U.S., 2.3 million worldwide with the disease. Um, it strikes relatively young in one's late 20s often. Um, disproportionately affects women, three to one. Uh, it's an autoimmune disease by its nature. It's progressive. It's being driven by inflammation and immune-modulated forces, which translate over time to neurodegeneration, including demyelination and axonal damage. Um, and the disability from this disease is significant. They may be affected as patients by issues ranging from mobility uh, to spasticity, uh, pain, fatigue, cognition. Uh, There may be comorbids of depression, urinary symptoms, uh, bowel issues, ocular manifestations, uh, the sum total of which translate often to about 50% of patients being out of the workforce in 12 years. So uh, devastating when you think of the age of diagnosis and then Uh, the potential for disability. Uh, It's an area, though, that wears great hope as it relates to more advanced and sophisticated and powerful therapies. There's now 18 approved so-called DMTs, disease-modifying therapies. Uh, Although they're expensive, 
Um, and the use may be somewhat unguided for lack of you know, superior insights as to how to apply them. Uh, last point I guess I'd make is that this is a, an expensive disease or condition with about three to 4.5 million in lifetime cost. Uh, what is it like to live with this condition? And, and as it progresses, how, how do people lose abilities or, or find their symptoms worsen? Yeah, these these patients are tracked along a, a 10-point scale called the Expanded Disability Severity Scale. And it's a function of how the symptoms stack or accumulate over a period of time, as well as the severity of those symptoms. What's really important along the way is to be managing the level of um, inflammation or immune-mediated processes at work at a given point in time. So the goal is to manage disease activity to as low of a level as possible to quiescence. Unfortunately, the tools to be able to measure disease activity are extremely limited today. And what we want to avoid the, along the way are relapses. Relapses can be of a severity where a patient may end up in the ER or hospital, which translates often to ten dollars to $25,000 in cost, and patients who may not recover to baseline and then we want a slow progression along that pathway. So it's a combination of areas that need to be managed carefully, attentively. And unfortunately, as I think we may talk about a little bit further, uh, the tools for measuring patients are subjective, qualitative, and really inadequate for the tasks at hand. How is the condition treated today and how actively managed are patients? Yeah. So the, two, the, the technologies uh, range from these disease modifying therapies that are very powerful um, in nature, but to which it's important to balance between the effect they may have and what might be uh, adverse events or side effects or tolerability issues. So there's this constant you know, efficacy versus risk equation that's going on. And with 18 drugs across multiple mechanisms of action and varied routes of administration, figuring out which patient, which therapy is very difficult, particularly for lack of biology-based insights or the ability to compare and contrast similar clinical phenotypes. So it's, it's really the best attempt to match but it might take 12 to 18 to 24 months to tell clinically whether a drug is uh, being effective or not. So you've got the disease-modifying therapy in an attempt to tamp down disease activity. Then there's symptom management through use of, um, might be physical therapy, occupational therapy, could be medical therapy. Uh, the average MS patient's on uh, eight other drugs or medications, and maybe under the care of a urologist, a gastroenterologist, and uh, ophthalmologist as part of the care team as well. So care team and coordination will become issues along the way, in addition to what are the right insights that guide you towards the right treatment um, and the right management of symptoms and trying to avoid accumulated disability. Uh, what's the vision of Octave Biosciences? Yeah, it's we come at this from the perspective of having been big believers over a period of time. And how do you take the best of new science, technology, data analytics, and now with the power of what can be brought forward by way of platforms 
um, how do we better assess what's going on with a patient at a given point in time? How do we better make management decisions off of what we measure? Um, and then how does that drive for outcomes? So with Octave, we spent a lot of time in the ecosystem talking to patients. What were their challenges and issues and unmet needs? Talking to physicians. And what do they struggle with by way of lack of clinical insights and confidence to treat? Talking to payers and what were the pain points uh, in this debilitating uh, disease and condition? And then pharma also, the fourth P, so to speak, in the equation, um, has challenges, issues, and unmet needs. So when we looked at all of that um, and wanted to get to better outcomes, we thought that's going to require better management, but management needs to be driven by measurement. And for us, measurement, we wanted to go at, in a very novel fashion, a multi-modality, in a sense, fashion. And the way we think about that is, first, there's a biology layer. Um, What are the primary pathways and mechanisms involved in this disease? And how do we directly measure them with serum-based biomarkers? So measuring, for example, immune-mediated forces and inflammation uh, as uh, being able to be defined with a disease activity test or progression and some of the pathways driving that element. As a second layer, thinking in terms of the imaging layer, revealing the central nervous system or CNS brain and spine, how do we tease out more insightful information at that layer? And then the third layer being the symptom layer. So Of those 12 to 16 symptoms or comorbids that most affect an MS patient, measuring using mobile tool sensor wearable, where is the patient given at point in time? How are they shifting and moving? And then taking all three layers of measurement with specific tools and how do they provide a 360-degree dynamic longitudinal view of the patient so we can see more, do more, and then allow that to place a patient as to where they are in a pathway, and then over time develop decision support tools for physicians based on where a patient is in their pathway, what's the the node where a decision needs to be made, and lastly, be able to dashboard um, all the patients in a practice or be able to look at um, each patient individually, that individual as well as the population view and perspective. And that's a model that doesn't exist in today's world for certainly MS and neurodegenerative diseases, let alone in other areas of medicine. But we think it's the answer to managing chronic diseases for the future. How analogous is this to what you did at Crescendo Bioscience and it? I mean, you seem to be taking a similar approach there when it came to rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, some of the findings and uh, learnings there were certainly um, foundational to what we did at Octave, but at Octave, we're going far further. But what we did learn at Crescendo that was so useful is there we developed a blood-based biomarker that allowed you to look at disease activity. You could see where a patient was at baseline, for example, right after being diagnosed, you could see what they looked like pre-therapy, post-therapy, what the response was to therapy quite rapidly, as opposed to their clinically in 9 to 12 months, as quickly as 1 to 3 months. So you could get a patient to more productive therapy more quickly. There we saw that as physicians managed 
uh, patients. They wanted to see the shifts or changes over time. And as they were able to do that, they were also able to see patients heading for an impending flare, um, as well as which patients over time were in a state of remission or low disease activity. And as the goal in RA was about driving a patient's disease activity to the lowest possible level, if you looked at a molecular tool plus software plus techniques where you intensify your interventions to try to drive high disease activity patients to moderate, moderate to low, the most progressive patient or practices in that system were able to see patients dramatically improve in outcomes where the number of patients in high disease activity were cut in half. The number in low disease activity remission doubled uh, in the real world. So that was a, a core finding and, for me, reason to believe that this could be done in other diseases and conditions. But at Octave, we also come at it not just from the biology layer, but the imaging layer and from the layer of symptoms and using sensors and wearables. So it's a far more comprehensive approach including then a tracking platform. So let, let's talk about it in, in kind of an applied setting. As you think about multiple sclerosis, how might this change disease management, quality of life for a patient, or, or outcomes? Great question. So let's look at um, the patient tracking program. Right now, a patient sees a physician two to four times per year on average, and to be able to ascertain in 15 to 20 minutes, two to four times per year observationally and discern what's happening 365 days a year um, really isn't um, providing a, uh, an accurate picture of what's going on. The periodicity may have little or nothing to do with it. So when you're looking at along the way, what are the symptoms or comorbids? active in that patient? How are they shifting or moving? Are there new symptoms or comorbids? These are all things that are extremely important for a physician to know that we picked up with the octave symptom layer of management tools. We're also looking along the way at a, is a patient adherent or compliant to their therapy? And if they're on orals or injectables, about 30 to 50% are non-compliant. If they're non-compliant, they're 42% more likely to have a, a relapse we're also looking at patients where there's a dramatic shift in symptoms uh, or their comorbids that might be indicative that they're heading for a relapse. Uh, these patients tend to be a little more stoic in nature and may not reach out as actively as they might. And consequently, at some point, they go off the rails and they end up in the ER in the hospital, uh, which, which has several unintended consequences, cost, but also non-recovery to baseline. So Octave's program offers the possibility of picking up those patients real-time by way of the signals that we're reading and um, processing. Along the way, we also have the ability to reach out and to look at an Octave tool, say, like a disease activity test, to verify that the patient's biology is actively moving in an unfavorable uh, direction. So that'd be an example of where we would pick up signals and see things uh, that are significantly to the physician and patient's advantage along the way. I know you're still developing measurement and management for your products and services, but where are you in the development process and, and what needs to be done before you have a working offering? 
Yes, we raised our Series A venture financing about two and a half years ago, and that allowed us to go from when we were at the seed stage and we had crafted the strategy, talking to the ecosystem and done some early proof of concept work as well as prototyping to actually develop the tool set. So the biomarker program went through a very sophisticated process of screening over 1,200 biomarkers per patient looking for which more were most contributory towards a signal of disease activity uh, in a patient at a given point in time. We worked with uh, multiple centers across the U.S. and really around the world, um, accessing samples from patients with good clinical annotations and endpoints to look at how they correlated to um, disease activity and shifts and movements. So that program is well through the development phase and is moving towards final development and validation over the next several months. So we've made significant progress and we reported out data along the way at major domestic and international meetings like the AAN or uh, ECTRMS or ACTRMS meetings. Uh, the imaging program that we have is quite interesting. There we listen to the market talk about issues where off of the MRI reads they got today, they were often not the right protocol or an optimal protocol for MS. So we integrated six guidelines to create the optimal protocol to extract off the machine all the right information. We can then cloud route through an API those images to us. We QC them, we normalize them. And then we heard the market talk towards they wanted quantification of the image findings of lesion counts, lesion burden, shifts, changes, regions of the brain, gray matter, white matter, overall brain volume and atrophy. So we do quantification. We also do serial comparisons to previous. Uh, we have an ontology of about 300 data elements for MS for uh, NMS patient and imaging, and we offer expert neuroradiology. So that end-to-end -end solution is now into pilot and beta, uh, and we're just now reporting out some study data where we're able to show in a, in a cohort that um, in 44% of cases in one study and 50% 50, 50 in another, we found clinically significant uh, artifacts or findings that were not seen uh, via the original read without the octave tech uh, human stack. So that's um, moving well along. And then the patient tracking program is in a pilot study with a major academic center and a real world center in a center of excellence. Um, and we're really pleased with what we're seeing there. Patients love the level of support that they're getting as well as we're identifying issues before they become highly problematic or events that have high costs associated with them. And to what extent are you incorporating novel measures? So the biomarker will be new and completely innovative. And it was so surprising to me as I first became involved in this field that there were no blood-based or serum biomarkers for multiple sclerosis in clinical practice, which is pretty remarkable when you look across a variety of, of fields and diseases or conditions. So that's completely novel. Our next test will be, is neuroprogression at work? If so, what form of neuroprogression? What's the intensity or activity? And what's the cumulative effect of that? Uh, so that'll be completely novel. The imaging, we're looking at conventional measures, but with much greater specificity resolution, 
and again, including the comparison and contrast the previous. Um, I should also add we're providing specificity of the use case because um, the physician wants to know different things if it's a patient suspect for MS and they're trying to rule in a diagnosis versus they're going through active relapse management or looking at therapy, therapy response. So how we're creating the stack, how we're reporting it out is, is novel and, and uh, unique. Patient tracking, there is no tracking solution like this in multiple sclerosis. It parallels in some ways what's being done uh, in some other disease states or conditions like diabetes, uh, but we're the first to deliver this kind of solution in MS. And who is the customer? Is it, is it the patient or the provider? So the direct route to market is to physicians, meaning name mostly neurologists, that are managing MS patients. And so there are 120 to 150 centers of excellence in this country that manage about 25% of the MS population. There's another slice of about 1,000 higher volume MS treaters out in the community that manages patient population. And then there's a percentage of the neurology market that is a part of a part of what they do. They manage uh, MS patients. For all of the above, we offer an opportunity to provide a layer of clinical insight and confidence to treat that's unparalleled, as well as certain advantages that tend to make the practice more efficient and productive going forward. We serve the patient through the physician, but once the patient is able to access active services, we have the ability to deliver other remote assessment capabilities and over time to deliver offline uh, condition management capabilities. For example, we'll be looking at things like cognition assessment, cognition management, uh, as well as other elements that may be important to MS patients who are really um, lacking dedicated support today, as well as insights as to what's their trajectory, how do they more proactively manage their disease. There's clearly a set of value props for health plans or payers. MS is a very high cost catastrophic disease. Um, so our focus on reducing disease activity, preventing relapses, slowing progression, uh, managing time to productive therapy to reduce waste along the way are all important themes. And we're looking at a total cost of care strategy or approach to health plans where we come in and look at what does MS look like within their population, number of patients, total cost, breakdown of cost, distribution of cost. For example, in a recent project we did, we noted that while the average cost for an MS patient was about 50000 per year, it ranged from under five to over 150000 We looked at use of disease-modifying therapies, the distribution, other therapies, ER visits, hospitalization. We think as we do that with a health plan, it naturally leads towards this opportunity to look at an un undermanaged population. How do we lift them, get them to a better care environment? How do we optimize specialist networks for those that are managing the MS population? How do they use high-resolution tools like octaves? How do we provide for better care coordination throughout the disease continuum where, for example, PT, OT, or other specialists need to be involved in the team with the neurologist? 
And how do we look at case management for patients going through particularly challenging episodes uh, or there, where there's a very high cost profile? So that addresses the, the payer or health plan side of the equation. And then for pharma, pharma also wants higher resolution, deeper insight uh, from tools such that they can better and more efficiently advance therapies within their pipeline, as well as to see performance in the real world. How complex or challenging do you view the issue of reimbursement ahead? And are you starting those conversations? And and what are you doing to validate the approach to satisfy payers? I think spending a lot of time in the ecosystem, and by the way, um, two of our investors are our health plan venture funds that recognize that uh, there are challenges, issues, and unmet needs in that area. There's a very high cost disease and programs that have been attempted perhaps internally haven't been terrifically successful. And so the hope of with advanced science and technology and this comprehensive wraparound there's a better path forward is what brought them to the table. Um, having these holistic conversations with health plans about how do we get our arms around the disease and really solve the problem piece by piece, we believe is clearly uh, the way to go. So the strategy involves once doing this landscape analysis, I was mentioning and identifying um, several steps of why, what may be able to be done from looking at undermanaged to optimizing networks to better use of tools, where we better stage the population. We look at severity. We look at trajectory. We look at optimizing the interventions with the goal to bring down disease activity and avoid bad events. We can look at a total cost model where we look at potential savings, um, vis-a-vis the cost of delivering the program and how that may be able to deliver a ROI to a health plan that's in the two to three to one uh, range. So it's being structured as a win-win, um, comprehensive in nature, making sure it's hitting all the right outcomes as well as cost management um, objectives. I know you're focusing on neurodegenerative diseases, but multiple sclerosis is as you've described, also an autoimmune condition and mm-hmm. just characterized by flares and periods of remission, it it would seem a, a type of disease where monitoring for rapid intervention could pay off in potentially preventing a flare or limiting long-term damage as a result. How do you see this approach translating into other neurodegenerative conditions? Yes, I think if there was uh, three themes that caught people's attention in our last financing, it was, it was, you know, one that convergence makes sense. This kind of multimodality approach. Two, that neurodegenerative diseases represented an important uh, category for the future by way of innovation and investment. But third, it offered the opportunity to be a chronic condition management model for the future, serving you know multiple constituents. So. This idea that we use a variety of approaches to gain insight to allow us to understand what's driving a patient's disease, the biology layer, which symptoms are actually activated, how much uh, cumulative damage or burden there is to brain and brain function, 
allows you to see then in care pathways where a patient is and to be able to look at stratifying, adding other resources to make a difference, making sure key decision nodes, the right decisions are being made. So we believe this has extensibility, you know, well beyond the world of MS and other chronic diseases where there's fluctuation, as you suggest, or where it's super important to be looking at um, subtleties and nuances that may be leading towards a much um, graver situation ahead. As you think about conditions such as Parkinson's disease, ALS, Alzheimer's, is the value of this approach at all limited by the lack of therapeutic alternatives to treat these conditions? We think that a full range of capabilities for octave over a period of time reaching into each of these other areas, as you mentioned, Parkinson's, Huntington's, ALS, Alzheimer's, will make a lot of sense. And when you think about it, uh, in each instance, there's a story at the biology layer. Um, there may become some common elements of what's being seen in uh, neurodegeneration along the way, but as Octave assembles capabilities to tease out signals using biomarkers, looking at biology, those are you know, highly leverageable. Two, imaging is a component of almost all of these. So if you have a platform where you're just dialing a little bit more precisely which parts of brain you're looking at, which abnormalities, which shifts and changes, um, and you have ML capabilities to be able to uh, accelerate uh, your findings, that's leverageable. And along the way, from a symptom perspective, there are different aspects, perhaps, but there's an important story as to what's going on with these patients 365 days a year, to which, again, if you have a platform in place, you can extend up off of it. And then taking those feeds and tracking patients over a period of time uh, becomes extremely important as well. To your point about the therapy, in some cases, therapy development uh, needs to be preceded by more precise measures. In some cases, there are sorely lacking endpoints that Octave may be able to play a role in creating that would then be able to accelerate drug development efforts. We're looking at that, for example, in the area of MS right now, where there are a number of companies working on drugs in the area of repair and regeneration, but to which there are not good endpoints. So Octave Resources applied towards pathways involved, identifying unique biomarkers, similarly for imaging. Last, are there certain things that could be measured by way of cognition, cognitive response that are indicative of repair regenerative ultimate effect? How to take several layers cast a wide net with potential markers, tighten the sets over time, develop more specific markers, use those as endpoints moving forward to the betterment of not only one program, but multiple programs over a period of time. And you talked about the financing you raised. Um, how far do you think that'll take you? We anticipate that'll take us through the end of 2022. So it'll be a little over uh, two years worth of cash. We were really pleased with the quality of syndicate that came together, uh, the level of interest in the Octave story. And I think, as I mentioned, you know, those points of, you know, convergence of multiple modalities, this theme of neurodegeneration being first in class in that category. 
and a new model for chronics, uh, particularly for health plans going forward, were all uh, important. And we're looking forward to um, finishing measurement feeds in the development cycle, further expanding pilots and beta, and then moving into early commercial use, while at the same time significantly investing in next generation tools and measurements. So we go from version one to version two, version three, and beyond. It's a relentless pursuit of you know, more uh, learnings and more capabilities that can be delivered. And lastly, um, we're really looking forward to what do we learn from the data side of the equation. We have five going on six data scientists in the company uh, that are eager to be, you know, learning more from data as it accumulates. And as you think about the development ahead, what what are the near-term milestones we should be watching? Yeah, I think it's this, as we complete all of the tools, take them out of pilot and a beta and move them into real-world use, uh, our goal is to be publishing off of what we're seeing uh, in those early centers of excellence uh, and in other findings where we're demonstrating the utility and the impact on outcomes as well as costs. Bill Hagstrom, CEO of Octave Bioscience. Bill, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.